this episode... I want to just give a trigger warning. This story contains a theme of suicide. This player walks in and sits in the back row. And Hugh just thinks, oh, this guy is hating it. No matter what you're putting on, everyone's going through something. And you can't always tell what people are going through. The difference between the impact Hugh thought he was having mm -hmm. and the impact that he was really having. That story is a great uh, counter to that tendency. So just be aware that we have a tendency to assume the worst. Trust the work that you're doing. Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. And our regular listeners will be well aware that this is not Sean's voice. So, hi everybody, I'm Mark Shank, and I'm filling in in the host seat today because Sean is doing a road trip through Outback, New South Wales, and he sent a hilarious video yesterday. It's been it's lots of flooding in uh, in Outback. Uh, well, in Australia right now. And he was filming, standing on the side of the road, filming a car going through this large, boggy, wet patch. And the, he sent the video to the entire anecdote team because as the car drives past, this wall of water and mud just covers him <laughs> completely. <laughs> it was completely covered. It was, it was hilarious. Joining me in the studio, I've got our principal consultant, Rob Grundell. Hi, Rob. Hi, Mark. I feel like I'm filling in for you today. I am in the co-host seat today. Yes, good good, <laughs> good point. Now, this isn't your first rodeo, of course. You've been on the podcast before. And um, you told that story. What was the jazz pianist? What was his name? Um, Keith Jarrett. Yes, I talked about his uh, solo concert in Cologne. I think it was in 1975 and where he's playing on this awful piano and uh, produced uh, one of the best-selling uh, solo jazz records of all time. Yeah, so imperfect tools uh, led to a wonderful performance because he had to do more. He had to work harder. He had to work harder. Yeah. Had to be. Had yeah, to that be. Was a, that was a great story. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good yeah. to be back. Yeah, it's great, and it's great to great to have you on the podcast. Now, just a reminder to everybody about how the podcast works: we'll share a story, we'll talk about uh, why that story works, how to make it even better. And then we'll talk about how do you use that story in a business context mm. to make a to make a useful point or to change your mind. And we'll finish by giving it a bit of a rating. And Rob, so you're the man with the story this week, so I'll I'll hand the floor over to you. Thanks, Mark. Uh, and just before I dive into the story, I want to just give a trigger warning that um, this story contains a theme of suicide. So if um, if that's a bit difficult, then maybe listen to another, skip this episode and listen to the one next week. Perfect. Yes. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about um, Hugh van Koylenberg, who from well, that henceforth, is a mouthful. It is a mouthful. From henceforth, we'll call, just call him Hugh. <laughs> and Hugh runs the uh, Resilience Project, which is an organization uh, which helps uh, school children with their mental resilience. Um, he actually wrote a book called The Resilience Project, and it's kind of subtitled uh, Finding Happiness Through Gratitude, Empathy, and Mindfulness. Um, but Hugh and The Resilience Project doesn't just work with schools, he also works with uh, sports clubs. Uh, and a few years ago, uh, he was hired to work with the NRL team, which is the National Rugby League here in Australia, uh, the NRL team, the Roosters. And the first thing he was going to do with this program was to give a talk at their clubhouse. So 
Hugh arrives at the clubhouse. He gets ready to um, give his talk. And just before he's about to start his talk, um, this player walks in and sits in the back row. Uh, and he's got this black hoodie on. And as soon as Hugh starts talking, you know, about these topics, gratitude and empathy and mindfulness, uh, this player at the back just chucks his hood over his head, folds his arms, and is just, you know, sitting there. And Hugh just thinks, oh, this guy is hating it. Hugh finishes the talk. This player at the back row, he, he gets up. And then just before he leaves, he's got his hand on the door. Just before he leaves, he just looks at Hugh. He just gives him this stare. And then he's gone. Hugh's kind of going, oh, that's weird. A year later, Hugh is giving a talk um, at this conference in uh, the CBD of Sydney. 600 people are there and in the front row is this player again and next to him is sat this older woman he's like what's this guy doing here he hated my <laughs> he hated my talk last year he's back for more sultanas he's back, that's right <laughs> more punishment and the reaction is, is similar again um this time he's wearing a black cap and as hugh is talking at certain points in the talk a few times this player is just putting his black cap over his eyes. So Hugh's just like, what's going on here? Anyway, so Hugh finishes the talk and as the crowd is thinning out a little bit, Hugh feels this, you know, hand on his shoulder and he turns around and it's this player, huge guy with this woman next to him. And the player says, uh, Hugh, I don't know if you remember me, but I was at your talk last year at the Roos's headquarters. Um, I'm Martin Kennedy. I wanted to bring my mum along today to listen to you speak. As Martin says this, he breaks down into tears. Martin's mum grabs his arm and you know holds him. And as Martin recovers, he says, um, what I wanted to come and say was actually that the day before your talk last year, I had decided I was going to go down to my mum and dad's beach house and end it all. But after I heard you speak, I decided not to. So you're the only reason I'm still alive. Hugh is just amazed by this, um, you know, that, that this has happened. And how wrong he'd got it. And how wrong he got it. And over the course of the next few years, Hugh ends up working with um, all the NRL clubs at all these different levels. And over that time period, he receives four more emails or four emails um, with a similar thing of players saying, I was going to commit suicide, but your program got me through it. Whoa. Well, so Hughes, he's obviously hit on something that really has a big impact. That's right. Um, this story is in his, in, in his book and he ends that chapter by saying, so those are five reasons I'm going to keep working on the Resilience Project. Oh, really? Ah. <laughs> so five reasons, right? Five, five reasons and, and, and yeah, one of them is Martin Kennedy. That's right. Okay, fantastic. All right, well, thanks for sharing that, Rob. Uh, I'm gonna, I'll just start by saying some of the things that, uh, that, I, uh, that I noticed about that story. And uh, one of them is that I really liked the moment when you know the massive hand on on uh, Hugh's shoulder and that little interaction with Martin, his mum, uh, 
right? I could really picture that. Yeah. And so that's a, and of course, that's a, a really important part of the, uh, of, of that telling of that story, uh, along with the, you know, like the pulling the hoodie over the, the, the head and the pulling the cap down over his eyes. It's really easy to picture those sorts of things. So uh, uh, those sort of details really, uh, they're, they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, what about for you? What sort of, what, what did you like about that story? So I chose this, right? So um, I first heard the story after um, Sindon um, in our, on our team told it on our Friday team meeting. And the thing that really stood out to me um, is, uh, I guess, the, just the impact. Like the, there's, there's that really big life and death, death theme in it. And like I think those stories um, speak to me. They, they have a huge impact. Um, so I, I love that detail. I think the other thing I like about it, I've I've just uh, been in London for twelve years, and I've come back to um, Australia, and there's something about the Australian masculine, you know, like it's there is there is kind of often like a bravado there. It's probably true in England as well, and I really love this story because it just shows that um, no matter what you're putting on. Um, no matter what you're putting on, everyone's going through something, and you can't always tell what people are going through. Yeah, and, and so you might at, have the biggest, you know, the biggest body in the in the national rugby league, but you know, there's still that a, a, a kind of frail human, totally inside. And I, so I love the characters in the story. I think that's what I'm mm. saying. I love I love who the characters are in the story, and the fact that he would bring his his mum to the conference, like he didn't have to do that. Like he, you know, he had had his, um, you know, he he'd come good if you like to put it that way. And there's no reason he could have just sent he could have sent Hugh an email if he wanted to, but he yeah. turned up. So there's 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 a lot in that story that I that um I really like. And one of the things that I really liked about story is that Sindon told it at our weekly team meeting. And just so that people are aware, uh, every Friday morning nine o'clock we have our team meeting and we just rotate around. Every every meeting starts with a story. Someone shares a story, and Sindon shared this story. And it, you could just tell how much of an impact that it had on her. Mm. And in fact, in today's meeting, uh, Sindon was saying that that Hugh's book is arriving later today. His new book. That's right. His Let it go. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, th- that's a really good indicator that it's a, a a good story. What about ways to make that story even better? Anything come to mind? So I wasn't timing myself, Mark. How long was that story? I, I like as I'm telling it, it it feels long. Yeah, I would say that that would be in the vicinity of three and a half minutes. Yes. So I'm um, I I don't know how to get that shorter. It might just be the successor of retellings, um, and the, there might be less detail in that first, um, in that first talk. But that was that was as I was speaking. That was that was one sense that I had. Um, how to make that story yeah how to make that story better and of course one of the our general rule of thumb yeah a little heuristic yeah is that in general you want to have between 90 seconds and three minutes for yeah. a business story now that's that's an indicator it's not a, a rule um as johnny depp would say in the pirates of the caribbean or oh, in fact it wasn't it was uh, uh the jeffrey rush character oh yeah the, uh, the, the, the pirate captain the pirate captain yeah. um not so much rules as guidelines, <laughs> pirate code. Um, so, uh, of course, stories can be much shorter or, or much longer, but in general, that's where you want to aim. So, yeah, maybe that uh, some 
cutting out some of the details. But look, one of the things you need to do is not cut out the details that are important. Right? That's the right. Things that, that really help create imagery. Um, also in con contrast is another one. And that's one of the things that I liked about that is the contrast. The difference between the impact you thought he was having mm -hmm. and the impact that he was really having, that he was yes. in fact having. Um, so I, I, wa I wonder if the intro could be a bit shorter. That, that might have been, I spend a, a lot of time kind of landing the uh, he, who Hugh is and that, that maybe could be woven into the story uh, rather than um, having all that set up at the start. Yeah, there's a saying that you should get to the action quickly. Yes. So you could have started with that, uh, with the scene in the in the the uh, rooster's headquarters where That's Hugh right. starts talking. Could have started with that and gone. And and this is who Hugh is. Yes. Uh, you could do it that way, um, or maybe just shorten the intro. But that that in general, getting to the action quickly is a is a a good uh, approach when you're using using a business story. Yes. Um, and particularly if you are again and we'll talk about this, how do you use it in a business context? If somebody was going to use that story in a business context, then they don't have time to spend to do the biography of Hugh. No. Right. So that's right. That would need to be shortened. So I, I can imagine a start which would go something like, that reminds me of um, Hugh van Koylenberg. He was doing this talk at uh, at the Roosters headquarters. Yeah. And, and, and you're in, you're, you're straight there. Yeah. And that brings us to how do you use this in a business context? Yeah. So what business points could you usefully make? So it's your story, Rob. I'll let you go first. Right. So um, the way, so uh, I think everyone in Anecdote has a story bank. And um, the way that I've actually titled this story in my story bank is you don't know what people are going through. So that when the first time I heard the story, when Sindon told it, that was the the first thing that hit me. Um, so the idea, the, so the point of this story is um, Hugh is making assumptions about what Martin is going through. And uh, actually, even more than that, what he's doing is he's projecting whatever Martin is projecting, Hugh's taking that personally. So maybe there's another point there, but um, don't take how people are so personally all the time. And also, you don't know what people um, are going through. I think those two points are kind of tied together. So that's, that's one uh, one point or two points that I, I saw in that. Yeah, and a, a, a variation of that one is that you don't know the impact that you're having. Yes. So sure, yep. For the first point is you don't know what people are going through, yep. and if you judge it based on the you know the 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 kind of look that uh, that Martin gave him as he left through the door of that first meeting, you know, you might come to a certain conclusion, however. Yep. And, that, and that's interesting, right? Because then if you come to that conclusion, what would your next actions be? You know, your, your next actions be might be to write off that person and say, well, now I'm not going to do these things with this person or who knows what decisions you might make. Mm -hmm. And so that could be a really useful story. I think of it in a business context, I've seen it time again in, in my work that people will write other people off or they'll say they're no good, they're not interested, yep. they're lazy. All these kinds of judgments are made about people. And this could be a, a good story to tell. Yeah, and just extending that a, a bit further, another business point you could make is just be aware that we've got this tendency to assume the worst. <laughs> yeah. 
And look, there's so many, we have so many examples of this. Times when we've had a great conversation with a client and then we've sent a proposal off and not heard a thing. It's gone quiet. We've been, you know, like if you're on Tinder, you say, oh, you've been ghosted. Um, <laughs> the So you don't hear anything. So you go, oh, oh they've had sticker shock or, the, you know, they, you know I, I, I missed the point. I haven't captured their requirement accurately. Uh, never going to hear from them again. And so, yes, yeah. yeah, you might send a couple of reminders and then you don't get anything and, and so you've just gone, you've written it off. You've assumed the worst. And then out of the blue, they'll go, oh, sorry, man, been really busy. Love to go ahead. This is a great proposal. <laughs> the number of times this has happened. Yeah. And so that story is a great uh, counter to that tendency. So just be aware that we have a tendency to assume the worst. Yes. Um, and in that case, of course, Hugh was assuming that this guy hated the the presentation or the, what, the, the messages that Hugh was giving yeah, and he wasn't getting through. And then, and then, then the bounce of that, like the the other point is, um, trust the work that you're doing. So, yeah. so Hugh has, you know, he spent. A, if you read his biography, you'll see the amount of effort he's put in to build his programs and what he's had to go through himself in order to produce this work. So, this work hasn't come out of nowhere. You know, this is really thought through stuff. And so. Um, and as you can obviously tell from the story, it has a huge impact. But at that moment, he was doubting the power of the work yep. or, or doubting the power of his of his ability to communicate it. Um, yeah. And so... Trust the work. Yeah, trust the work. I mean, I'm, I'm tempted to say trust the process. Mm-hmm. I, 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 don't, I don't feel particularly comfortable saying that because, you know, um, when I was in the Air Force, we had a saying that uh, the policies are for the... For the um, policies are for the guidance of the wise and for the blind obedience of fools. <laughs> um, and so, but but I, I, I have had somebody say to me once when I was facing a bit of a quandary uh, about how I was going to run a particular workshop because I was under a lot of pressure to do it in a particular way and to take you know, be cognizant of that and to be aware of this and you need to make sure of this and, you know, the, and this person will do that. And it's like, and somebody just said, Mark, You've been doing this for 15 years. You know what you're doing. Just trust the process. Yes. And I totally, and I just went, oh, you're so right. And I just, I just did what I thought was the best thing to do based on, you know, and I just followed the process and we had a wonderful day. Yes. Um, so uh, uh, that's another really good business point. Trust the purpose, trust the process, trust in the work that you've done. Yes. And again, that reflects on like he t- he was taking the reaction so personally as well. And of course, mm. it's so easy for us to do, right? And especially, I, I don't know how many talks or workshops you've done, Mark, where you've been eyeing the participants and and making your own. <laughs> I've I've done this so many times, judgments and assumptions of how this is landing, rather than just being in the work and going, well, let's just do it. You know, this is actually not about you know, me or anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. So back in about 2012 or 2013, I was in, uh, we, we did a project for Yammer before Yammer was acquired by Microsoft. And Yammer was this incredibly cool organization. It was really cool. And so we're in their, their funky uh, digs in London and I, I ran a full day storytelling for leaders program. There was 14 people in the room wasn't a really good room for it. You know, it was a boardroom table set up, which is not particularly good. And there was a lady in the room 
And I, <laughs> I thought she was having a, sh I thought she was just completely disengaged and I'm there for a day. Um, and so I, you know, make a point of going and talk to her at lunchtime and, you know, how's it going? And, and anyway, I'm, at the end of the workshop, I very, I was really worried when I said, okay, we'll just go around the room, uh, one key takeaway uh, and a general comment. And it got to her and she floored me. She's got, Mark, this has been one of the best days of my life. I have mm -hmm. learned more today and da, da, da. And, she just, and I had, I was oh, seriously, I thought, wow, she's hating this. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. Very you know, similar, similar sort of situation. Yeah. All right. So, wow, we've come up with four or five uh, business applications to this story, and which is really cool at that you can use the same story to make multiple business points. Mm -hmm. one, of the, one of the things to be aware of, though, is that you don't want to try and make all of those points at the same time. No, no. You're choosing this story to make a, you're yeah, putting this story into, a, in, into your conversation to make a particular point, right? Yeah, yeah. And so uh, this will be, as with all of our podcast stories, it'll be transcribed. The business points will be written out for you. You can just copy and paste it from the, from the podcast page and put into your own story bank. So that's the whole idea of this, to help you build your repertoire of stories. And our normal practice is to finish by giving this story a rating. Hmm. And so uh, it's your story. So I get to go first. And I'm thinking about uh, it's a, a very so rugby league, Australian does tend to, but even, even given that, it still has applicability uh, you know, globally because you just wouldn't emphasize the, the, the rugby side of it. So look, I'm going I'm to give this story. I'm going to do a Sean. I'm going to go seven and a half on this story. I'm going to go not be, I'm going to vacillate. I love your uh, commitment there, Mark. Um, I'm giving it a, <laughs> I'm giving it an eight. I was, I was getting close to you, but I'm, I'm giving it an eight. Uh, I think, I think for a similar, um, for a similar thing, there's a lot of detail and the right place and the right time. This would be an incredible story to tell, um, but you couldn't tell it everywhere. Right. Um, and it's, uh, it, has, it has a very specific applicability, but when it is applied in those circumstances, it would be very powerful. Yeah. And so for all of our listeners, that's our rating. Mm -hmm. right? And so you might listen to that story and go, no, it doesn't work for me. No, that's fine. But mm -hmm. you might listen to it and go, wow, I can use that tomorrow, mm -hmm. which, which, is, which is fantastic. And I'll, I'll just relate an experience. One of the very early podcast episodes, Sean Shaw uh, shared a story about uh, building the city court tower, uh, and uh, made makes a point about uh, collaboration and effectiveness, etc. And I think I gave that story a five. <laughs> <laughs> I gave it a, uh, I gave it a right panning, uh, <laughs> and I would have to say we've had more positive feedback from people who've used that story. And the reason I'm raising this is because a senior executive in Poland uh, sent me a WhatsApp message uh, earlier this, or a couple of weeks ago saying, Mark, I've got the situation and, and uh, I, need, you know, I need a story about this. And I sent her back three. And one of them was the City Corp 
story. Mm-hmm. And she wrote back straight away and said, no, no, I've already used that one. I've used it a number of times. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so look, the point here is it's all, it's, it's all contextual. And if the yeah. story works for you, that is fantastic. Um, it's not going to work for everyone on the planet. And I think it's a big thing as well, Mark, is I think we talked about that with last time I was on, like, I really enjoyed telling that Keith Jarrett story. I'm a musician and, you know, there's all these reasons why I enjoy telling it. Um, I think the story rating includes that as well, is how easy is it for you to tell? So not just how easy is it to tell, how is it easy and how much do you enjoy telling it? I think that makes a, such a big difference uh, to, um, to, if you want to say, to the rating. Yeah, and one of the ways that you can increase your uh, your enjoyment is to is to use it a couple of times mm. and get it and see what response it gets and get better at telling it. So um, you, you, it can improve over time. Yep. In terms of your, you know, the, the how enthusiastic you are about using that story. Yes. All right. So I that that brings us to a close. Another episode of anecdotally speaking, and of course. Tune in again next week for another episode of How to Put Your Stories to Work. Bye for now. See you later. Anecdotally Speaking was engineered by Dave Stokes from Author to Audio.